0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: As a chef, I knew the food was good. I had this confidence and a little bit of swagger like, yo, you're going to eat this shit and love it. You either take it or you leave it. And so there was this weird energy happening, and I knew that we hit something at that moment because everyone was engaged.
2: What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. That was Cassie with her quote from this week's guests, Adam Weissman and Roy Choi. It's a two-for-one Black Friday holiday special. Hope you like it. Adam Weissman is the art director from Stussy, designing all those fresh T-shirts in your closet. He's also a member of the band Pollen, Kind of a trippy, ambient dance music. Uh, interesting act. Check it out online. I think it's wearepollen.com. And uh, Roy Choi is the chef from the Kogi Truck, which has kind of revolutionized the food truck industry. Food, maybe food in America. Period. Um. Kogi truck kind of set it off here in Los Angeles, and now food trucks are a thing in pretty much every city in America. But those guys made it happen. Roy is also the chef at the Line Hotel, the Alibi Room, A-Frame, Chago. All over Los Angeles, you can eat this dude's food. And um, he's also the host of CNN's Street Food, which he collaborated with Adam on. Uh, Adam did the, the artwork for it. And uh, Roy is also the founder of a new fast food venture called Local that he's going to talk about in the show a little bit, but it's definitely going to revolutionize fast food as well. So we get into the interview. We got some good lessons on using social media to build your brand. If you uh, if you follow the Kogi truck at all, you know that that was a brand really built in social media as well as out in the streets. Uh, We hear a little bit about what it was like the first day on the truck. And we'll get into some more about just what it takes to be creative and to fight the pressures of success. Before we do, though, let's hear this week's EDM.com track of the week. (laughs)
0: The the in the Midwester. I then begin to chin check. You've been heads with no delivery. What makes you think you zealous? Me? My flow with birth to century. I've been wrecking them seasons. I've since stepped to the scene with the request to redeem a palm. Threat to get embassy. get sex begin sticking me with stingers. Giving me bloody boner. Like symptoms would seem to be lingering. Fingers bleed from the tips. Chickens be fainting for dick. And it's peachy. Please believe I leave the evil within. The girth of my words is certain. Pete the skin. For me to get in touch with God, there's no need to repent. I'm leaving a dent inside the bedroom okay that was robot orchestra
2: with a track called divine elegance as our edm.com track of the week if you like it hit us up on twitter at rebel radio net if you didn't like it tell somebody else we're also I'm, i'm excited to announce the launch of the rebel radio facebook page you can find us on facebook i don't know the url but just search for rebel radio and see if you can find us and of course as always rebel radio is on itunes soundcloud and dash radio on thursdays at six coming up in two weeks we'll be moving to tuesdays at 10 a.m pacific so watch for that and now let's get into the interview nice well thanks for being here i appreciate you guys making time i've been trying to get uh i've been talking to adam about this for a while Mm-hmm. A tennis. Adam,
3: we play tennis on Saturdays.
2: Oh. Not a lot of tennis it? players listen to this show. It's amazing. So, uh, Adam Weissman, I've known since he was a wee lad, probably, I think, still in high school. Definitely
3: still, definitely definitely still in high school. Probably like 15, 16. That's right. 16, and he, 16, he was. Uh, um, not driving yet, I think. Uh, probably not. I think Mike was driving. Probably not. Mike was driving mm-hmm. before I was driving. I've heard
4: some of the stories of him and Mike.
3: Yeah. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, so I
2: met those <laughs> guys at easy. the same time. And uh, you know, they were a couple nervous Jewish hip hop kids. Yeah. And um, you know, part of a interesting generation I think at the time when when hip hop was really expanding into uh you know, hadn't gone like fully mainstream but yet, you know, people that were maybe not the prototypical hip hop audience were discovering it. And then just to do the introduction. So now you are
3: um i'm the art director for stussy okay i've kind of been doing that for a while um i've been at stussy almost a decade
2: and we're all wearing stussy gear today yeah in tribute to you
3: yes thank you (laughs) um that was yeah so that was the shirt that you're wearing was like one of the first projects that like my big project i Uh guess that um I was wor- oh, when always you first, around. When you, when you first yeah, became director? Yeah, that was like director? 2000. No, well, even oh. before that. Was so this happened. is
2: the world tour. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Was like and a, this, this one's done by Brent Rollins, who uh, was the first graphic designer I ever worked with hmm. back when we went to college
3: together. He did the Boys in the Hood logo. Yeah. And um, I think yeah. Mo Better Blues. Mo Better Blues. He was like yeah. a young, a young mm-hmm. man. Still in college. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was like the first. I was always around you know i worked at the shop i was Mm -hmm. always a big stussy fan and then um uh i started doing just stuff um local for like the la shop and Mm -hmm. started reaching out to artists because i was always into art um and then the world tour thing kind of came about as like an idea of oh i'm gonna get you know five artists to do it and then it sort of ballooned into 40 and nice i worked you know with the creative director and we sort of planned out what what was going to happen in the year and it became this like giant thing and we did art shows in LA I think just LA and Tokyo Mm. and then we did screenings I did a documentary with some of the artists where I just traveled around and did these little five minute interviews with them Um, and that screened LA, New York London, Tokyo, Paris and then like some other like random cities around the world i'm sure some are in italy um well
2: one of the things i like about you is you are you're just a busy dude Mm -hmm. you're so on top of that day job you're also directing videos
3: yeah i just i try to be creative as possible so yeah um i don't know i sort of like float around a bunch of different areas i do some music i do some film i do some design um but I think you know a lot of it. You know, even Stussy, it all kind of came from hip hop when you met me. Like mm-hmm. I think, I think those years were very special for like the culture because it wasn't mainstream yet. It was something you had to search out. You had to be knowledgeable. It had to be authentic. Mm-hmm. It's all the stuff that like isn't there anymore, where it's now like super accessible. And being authentic doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. So I think back then, I think everything I'd, I've learned about art, style, came out of hip-hop or came out of films also. But, like, I think culturally, um, it's definitely hip-hop. It was the magazines, the music. It was looking up to rappers. It was looking at artwork that, like, you know, people did for covers and trying to figure out, like, who did it. And, you know, I think... That also carried over to Moax in like like the 90s when I when all of a sudden like hip-hop changed and then I sort of switched over to that kind of stuff and they were doing that. They were taking the idea of, you know. You like, always
4: talk about his favorite era. Mm-hmm. Ja Rule, Big Pun, <laughs> uh, DMX. <era>. Murdering, <laughs> Murder Yeah, that's Storm. That was- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of So course.
3: I So I feel like I learned all of that from there. At least that's where it started. That was like the seed. Right. was like the golden era of hip hop and I haven't been able to get away from that. But that was also when Stussy was like was was starting that was uh, they were around and mm-hmm. they were they were big mm-hmm. and it was part of the culture and no one was making hip hop gear yet. Right. So it was, you know, it was like you wore Stussy, you'd wear Levi's, you'd you'd mix, you'd mix mm-hmm. and match other brands that were like sort of traditional brands with like some stuff that like you had to like search out to get, which is goes back to like if you have to search out to get it, like you knew what was up. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. So
2: definitely. Well, and so it's fitting that we have you here, chef, because mm-hmm. um you know, you're known as the, the chef of the Kogi truck. Yes. And now many, many restaurants, a long list of successful Los Angeles restaurants. Um and author, we have the book LA Sun. Mm -hmm. here uh but you know you you stand out to me as as what i think of as the first hip-hop chef um yeah maybe i would say so i uh
4: i definitely don't wear it on my chest and maybe that's what makes me hip-hop you Mm -hmm. know it's not something i i'm not like that like thug kitchen or that shit that bullshit you know like uh you know i don't like profess it i don't like use it or throw it around i just live it mm-hmm. breathe it you know so
2: but i think that comes yeah. across i mean mm-hmm. and you know i, I heard jay-z say, say something before he was the jay-z that he is today mm-hmm. about um you know you could be in a suit and still be hip-hop right because it's yeah. there's there's an essence there's something about you that other people that get it are going to get it mm-hmm. and i felt that the first time that i saw an image of you the first time i saw the truck period yeah. you know you look around and i grew up. uh uh, I used to spend summers down here in L.A., mm-hmm. working for my grandfather in East L.A., and it was, uh, we would always eat off the food trucks yeah. at lunch, but they were plain white trucks, mm-hmm. you know, serving tacos, burritos, burgers, and, it, you know, it was basically the same menu on every truck, mm-hmm. and uh, but that was, that's always been part of L.A. culture.
4: Yeah, since the 50s, yeah. pretty much,
2: yeah. Yeah, but, you know, Kogi came along yeah. and really changed that game.
4: And we came from that exact culture. Our trucks mm-hmm. come from those white truck lots and yeah. from the families and the generations and the people. And we walked in and um, I don't know, it's like, it's like one of those things where you were almost, it was almost like there waiting for you, you almost, as if you've almost lived it before in another life, like as mm-hmm. soon as we walked on the lot, it was basically um, a Filipino dude and three Koreans. We walked on a lot, but they looked at us like we were part of the family. Yeah. and that's where I got my name, Poppy. They just started calling me Poppy from day one, cause so I was running around working with my head down, and all the ladies were just calling me Poppy, and just like, you know, like I don't know, <laughs> they're, just, they're smiling. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, we came from that. So. Yeah. But then you know, we we definitely brought something. I think our roots come from that, and then I always equate it to like we were we are the children of them mm-hmm. of those original trucks. Uh, we're not a new version we're not um you know we weren't this this you know intruder or this new thing We're the children that grew up and now this is how we express ourselves and um and it doesn't matter you know the fact that we weren't Mexican or weren't El Salvadorian or that we are Korean or that we are doesn't matter about race Mm -hmm. because it was from LA so Mm -hmm. to me the race was LA and then we were the children of that culture and um, so when we expressed ourselves, we just came out naturally. Yeah. But the difference is, we had technology, and we were young. Mm-hmm. You know, so.
3: But I think mm-hmm. I think part of it, which makes it, you know, when Josh says like hip hop, mm-hmm. when the truck first came out, yeah. you had to find it. Yeah, you oh, had to you had like to find it. you had to yeah. like make Absolutely. an effort. It's not yeah. like you just rolled up at this like you had to know where to go. Mm-hmm. You had to be in on this like L.A. secret. Yep. Um, and I think that that makes it more special when people do find it and they, they feel like they're up on something that like not everyone is and it's theirs. And I mean, I'm
4: definitely, yeah, I'm definitely aware of that, but it's hard for me sometimes uh, to really, you know, comprehend all that because I was on the inside of it. So, so as a hip hop, you know, person, I, I I understand how it was alluring and it it attracted heads as far as like searching it out. And, um, I'm proud of that, you know, Mm -hmm. but then, um, on the flip side of that, on the inside, I was, I was again, another layer of hip-hop. I was just, we were just expressing ourselves raw in a raw way all the way. And um, so for us, it's almost just being who we are and being a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know, brash, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and, and just, you know, doing the way, things the way we wanted to do it ended up being just naturally hip-hop.
2: True. You know? so. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what happens, right? It's just yeah. an expression
3: of who you are. You can also say it's punk rock too. Yeah, it's, it's very punk. DIY. Yeah. Like you're gonna you, definitely. You wanted to create something that yeah. wasn't there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw
4: Jay. I, I saw Jay Z early, early before, like '96. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say '95, '96 when I was cooking in New York, West Fourth Street Courts in New York, mm-hmm. beat up fucking Jaguar. Like it had to be like a late '80s Jaguar, but he, but you could tell he was gonna. He was a star, really. Mm-hmm. You know, like. You could tell, like he was just, and I just walked by him. I just looked at him. And I didn't know who he was. But I just like gave him a what up, and he gave me a what up, and that was it. And
2: then, yeah. like after that, you know, I'll always remember that moment. You know. Yeah, that's cool. How'd you know that mm-hmm. you could that you could cook? Uh,
4: I found out there were there were clues to it. Uh, in high school, I was really good at milkshakes, mm. and. uh <laughs> And that was me and my friend Ryan, uh, who's in the book, you know, uh-huh. he passed away. But uh, we used to have this dessert where we would take soft melted pralines and cream ice cream from Baskin Robbins and then frosted flakes and then pour just the right amount of milk. So I knew I had like a little bit of a thing to it because I was very anal about like the levels, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, and then and then the temperature and we were talking about his tea, his tea was too hot today. I was very it's always too hot. Yeah, it's always too hot. Yeah. They don't know yeah, how people, to do it. People right. know how to make tea. Um yeah. but I was very anal about these things even though I didn't know why I was being anal about them yet. So mm-hmm. I, I think at that as I look back, I think those were stepping stones where I knew I, I was good at something. Um I worked in restaurants all throughout high school. I grew up in a in a Korean kitchen, um in a restaurant. But at that time I was young. I was only like eight, nine, seven, mm-hmm. ten. And um, I didn't know I was good. But I would say the milkshake and the ice cream was when I first knew. Um, But then when I really knew was when I hit rock bottom and went to started kind of when I had kind of my epiphany with Emeril. And then I I went to a night school here on Robertson for cooking and um, and then went to CIA and then went to New York and kind of knocked on back doors. And at that point, and it was around mid-90s, like Mm -hmm. 96, is when I really knew that this was my life. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: So you talk about hitting rock bottom and I know you, you know, you've talked, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, about going through some shit as, as a young man. Oh yeah. Um, how much of that is, how important is that experience to, to your life and your business now? I mean,
4: it's everything. Uh, it,
2: because Kogi allowed me to fully, uh,
4: realize that as an artist, I guess, you know, and, um, even though I don't sing or draw, Mm -hmm. um, the way that I cook is my expression and, um. I'm able to channel those connections and those feelings and a lot of those moments um and be able and then just like maybe a musician, I have people and followers who, who relate to those things and those and then the food or the way that we express it or the stories that I put behind the dishes um affect them in many ways because I've been through it and mm-hmm. uh, maybe they're going through it right now or they've gone through it or maybe they're about to go through it. And so uh, that's definitely definitely everything about my food. Um, but before Kogi, you know, I was living a normal life. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like I, I had a really rocky, like you know, like a lot of addictions, gambling and drugs, and trying to figure this shit out in L.A. You know, and like L.A. in the eighties and nineties was a lot different than it is now, sure. as y'all as you both know. And you know, it's um, it was a lot of tough guy exterior stuff, and you know, just trying to figure things out. And uh, um, and then after all that, I tried to you know what people don't realize about people with addictions is like especially when say oh just have a drink right they don't realize just having one drink will take you down all the way or they don't realize that when you live this really kind of manic life that all you search for sometimes is the most simple things like just having a family or just going to the market or just going to the movie and having some sort of structure you know um so for me it was i'd lived such a weird life you know being an immigrant moving around all the time having these addictions dealing with the pressures of my family my both my parents also having their own kind of demons and their addictions and all these things so when i finally had a lane i just wanted to be like a regular like salary man Mm that's all that was like my dream in life and i had it and um so when i had I, i i didn't know how to express these things i was feeling i just was trying to have a regular job um but when Kogi happened, it just tipped everything over. So,
2: yeah. What was the first? What was the first day on the truck like? First day on
4: the truck, uh, oh, it was nice. It was the day Twilight came out.
2: <laughs>
4: uh, <laughs> it was uh, November twentieth, or, or right? The Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, really cold. It was foggy. Uh, we went out at midnight. We started at midnight, right around the corner from here actually. Yeah. I on, was around on... the
3: corner from here that same day. Yeah, you were? Yeah, I remember we my wife mm-hmm. dragged me to see Twilight. You oh. were yeah. Twilight. yeah, And she was pregnant at, at with Ava at the dome. At the dome. Yeah. We were on Ivar. Yeah, we went at like eight o'clock or whatever. Oh wow. Yeah. So you were we, channeling my energy yeah. at
4: that time. Um That's we hilarious. uh so the first night um we prepped uh I remember everything Thank you for this question um, Kanye We had Kanye's We had only one CD It was Kanye's mm-hmm. 808 mm-hmm. Um, We had a little boombox uh, all, all I can remember Is Kanye playing Over and over and over That
2: night
3: It's so amazing. It's amazing I'm a monster I'm a maven I know this world is changing Never gave
1: in Never gave up I'm the only thing
4: And it was was Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Twilight was out. Our first stop, we thought we were going to go. We we parked in front of the Abbey on Robertson. Because at that time, Pinkberry had just blown up, Mm. right? And we're like, and the one in WeHo, you know, where Mm -hmm. everyone gets parking tickets and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. We're like, ah, they know what's up over in West Hollywood. We're going to park there, and we're going to be a fucking instant success. And then we got kicked out in, like, a second, literally. We opened up on Abbey, and, like, everyone came out, and we're just like, they kicked us out. So we're driving, and then we're just, think, we're just thinking, like, where do we go? Where do we go? And then my partners, uh, there was a club called uh, Cabana and Green Door mm-hmm. on Ivar, right mm-hmm. next to Amoeba. And they're like, we know the bouncers at Cabana. I mean, like, let's feed the, the Our whole game plan was let's feed the bouncers. They won't kick us out. We'll keep them fed, and we'll wait for everyone to come out. So that was our plan. So we rolled up, and um, it was cold, foggy. Uh, we had all the Twilight people, probably Adam, just coming out of the theater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were we were parking, and then we fed the bouncers. They loved it, yeah. and then um, and then we were nervous. I remember we were so nervous, um, and uh, and there was nothing. And then right at like about one thirty, one forty-five, everyone came out of the club, and they just hit our truck. Mm-hmm. It was crazy, and um, uh, they loved it they really really loved it. We weren't really we didn't really figure out Twitter at that time yet. Um and we kept going back to the club, but um but they loved it. And so that was the first night.
2: So you knew from right then like you you had
4: something. Well, we knew that we had yeah, we knew that uh you know Mike D equates it to like the first time someone plugged in, you know, a radio to a lamp post, mm-hmm. you know, hip hop like yeah like you know we knew like we were we were kind of moving the crowd from the moment we saw we didn't know what it was mm-hmm. and we didn't know why it was and we didn't know what we were going to do next but we just knew in that moment that um something was happening because i re- i recall exactly why um for me as a chef i knew that the food was good mm-hmm. you know and i knew and i had this confidence and a l- little bit of a swagger like Yo, you're going to eat this shit, and you're going to love it, right? So that was kind of my, like, perspective. And you, and no substitutions, and I don't want to hear nothing. You know, you either take it or you right. leave it, you know? So there was that. But then as I saw them eating it, that was my sensitive side was get, picking up on all of these, like, little sound bites and emotions and feelings. And, like, um, you know, I could see guys, like, whistling over their friends. Mm-hmm. I could hear jokes, like, what them fucking Asians doing up in the truck? Mm-hmm. Everyone curious, you know? And then... um. And then you know you saw like the queen bees and like the the the, the big th- you know bigger dudes like calling the girls over and saying i'm gonna buy everybody over here a taco right here i'm by ev- that whole that whole group of that, i got them i got them over there and so there was all yeah. this like weird energy happening and i knew that we hit something mm-hmm. at that moment because um because everyone was kind of like engaged mm-hmm. you know I mean? it was like a second club
3: what was on the menu
4: uh it was just tacos and burritos. The short rib tacos. Yeah. Just short rib tacos. For day short one. rib. No, four tacos and four burritos. Mm. And then all the stuff you see now, like the quesadillas and the sliders and those things, those became those were specials we were working
2: out that ended up becoming like cult favorites. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, my wife says thank you for the kimchi quesadillas. Oh yeah, that was our <laughs> first special.
4: Yeah. Uh that happened on a night while we were waiting for the club to get out. I was mm-hmm. just bored and we were messing around.
2: Well hearing you talk about that reminds me, you know, a lot of uh the DJs that we've had on this show talk about mm-hmm. reading the room and really feeding off that energy. Yeah. And having you know, knowing what you wanna play or what you wanna create, but at the same time yeah. being sensitive to what's going on out there. So, um yeah. Adam, I wanna uh I know you start out as a DJ as well.
3: I'm really good at reading a room.
2: Yeah. Uh, he's known to clear dance floors. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever he, He's good
4: he's good in a room of
2: music nerds. Okay. Like, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah I would but, imagine that. Yeah so, so my question is uh adam how do you um how do you apply that d j thinking to the the creativity the art that you do now
3: um, well, like I do clear dance floors because <laughs> I play what i want i i typically just do what I like, yeah, so I sort of put myself in if I was sixteen, would I like this mm-hmm. um you know at least like with a lot of like stuff that's made for clothing. Yeah. Um cuz back then if it was fresh, you had to go out of your way to get it. Mm-hmm. So I sort of think about that. I I try to I try to trust my instinct, which is what you should do with everything. Um I try not to think overthink it even though I'm really good at that. Um but I just try to do what what feels right. Yeah. The sort of what I try to do with everything. I, sure. I create. If it feels right, cool. If it doesn't, throw it away. Right. Start again. Do something else.
2: Well, it's interesting to think about the contrast kind of of mm-hmm. your two businesses where if, if what you're doing doesn't feel right, you're going to find out right away. Yes. And, you know, in your case, it could take, you know, a long time or it, or it may never even be totally obvious. Right. Right? Yeah, I mean, you Whether can look
3: back a, years and be like, whoa, like... <laughs> Sure. (laughs) I should have made that graphic smaller, or I should have taken out those keyboards from that song. Yeah. You know. uh, Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, of course. But yeah. But the good ones, like you, you could still see it and be like, all right, that's. What I like about
4: his art is, um, especially on the t-shirts, is it's not just a graphic. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, it's like he gets, it's all very, you could see Adam in a lot of it. You know, it's like he gets, he he gets interested in something and then researches. It all the way, yeah, and then and then, um, when you see it, it kind of repre- represents it. It's not, he didn't just slap it on the shirt, it's like something that really he's traveled through, and then this is how he's expressing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, that's really nice. and I think he does that with his music. And uh, I just saw, I've seen him clear like three floors, though. is that right? But the <laughs> most recent one was great, it was the union party. Oh, I didn't uh, know, the, uh, fourth of July, fourth yeah. of July party. Everyone was just like, I mean, literally twerking and just like. <laughs> Just
3: the guy free, before free, freaking, me The yes. guy who before me Played for three hours And he was oh, wow. playing like Red Red Wine And yeah. PM Dawn uh-huh. and, and then they were like Alright you're gonna Like you'll just You'll close out Right. Yeah. And I was like Alright I like got in an Uber We were I was not <laughs> at the party uh-huh. I got in an Uber From the valley Where we were at People's house With our kids <laughs> I brought my I brought my stuff there And I was like Alright I'm gonna DJ For an hour yeah. And every time I DJ I have in my head That like Oh I'm gonna play All this stuff That like no one's hurt But they're gonna love it and I do that, and it, so no one. It's all it. bikinis on the dance floor, Everyone freaking yeah. dancing,
4: and he gets on, and they all phew, clear. Like, and the, there's like two nerdy dudes being like, <laughs> you bob
3: in their head. And and was, my, those are Adam's people. My yeah. nerdiest <laughs> friend came up yeah. to me and was like, was like, hey, people don't like what you're playing. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> someone, he's like, I overheard someone say, I have better music. On my phone. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I wasn't playing bad stuff. I was playing like Fela and yeah. talking Amen. heads and, uh-huh. you know, not nothing like so obscure that was, you know, it's all uh- good music. For your and not you guys like are you? Because you shoot
2: this. How'd you start DJing? Um,
3: I had a... My grandfather was remarried. And his wife had a niece and nephew who grew up in, I think, East L.A. And they came to live with them to go to Uni High. Mm. Um, and the older niece was in a DJ crew from, like, East L.A so she had turntables set up at my grandfather's house. Nice. And I would go in, and she sort of showed me, like, what she was doing. And I was, you know, I was already into hip-hop. But uh, the idea of, like, mixing two things together, like two records, and making something new was always exciting. And I sort of do that with a lot of stuff today.
2: So what was your introduction to hip-hop?
3: Probably... Run DMC and Beastie Boys mm-hmm. Like I remember Like My My Grandfather's nephew Who was there Um I think he went to Warner First But he was like Yo there's this group Called De La Soul They have this song Called Me, Myself, and I You should find it mm-hmm. Cause I was listening To like Slick Rick Okay You know like Children's Story You know I remember Buying that
1: Y'all Tucked In here we go. Once upon a time, not long ago, when people wore pajamas and lived life slow, where laws were stern and justice stood, and people were behaving like they ought to good, to lived a little boy who was misled by another little boy, and this is what he said. Me and you tonight, we're gonna make some cash, robbing old folks and making the job You
3: know, I remember buying Paul's boutique and thinking it was, like, super weird and was yeah. not into it at all at the time. Um
2: Do you remember your first purchase?
3: Uh it's probably tougher than leather. Mm-hmm. Or or license to Hill. Um I was always into music, but um hip hop, I don't even remember what the fr- but it was probably run DMC. That's how you know, that's how it came through. Mm-hmm. Um Right do you remember? Your first yeah, record I, you It's bought. definitely run DMC. Yeah. I
4: mean, um it was it's like that. I still remember the first time I my friend put the needle on the record. Um, I just moved to Orange County from LA, mm-hmm. and it's funny. Like I, you know, I, I should have heard it in LA first, but I moved to the suburbs, and then that was the first time I hear hip hop. But I, I remember, I, I remember the needle hitting and I was just like, "Whoa!" It's <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> it blew me the fuck away. I was, yeah, you know. And then I just, you know, the rabbit hole never ended from there. And kind an of iced tea, and you know, it was crazy. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. like
3: you know, uh, Yo MTV Raps was like such a big. part of spreading like hip-hop and the culture um yeah just because you could turn on the tv after school Mm -hmm. and you could see what is new and fresh and then you'd write it down and go to i would call like music plus on beverly drive and Mm -hmm. like the warehouse on at the beverly connection and Mm -hmm. like tower and just try to find these things that i just saw and then i'd have them hold it and then i'd try to get my parents to come drive me. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: and not to sound like a couple old dudes, but that was so amazing. You know, yeah. like you would wait all day and you'd yeah, run yeah. home, you know, and, and you know, and then ra- and the radio station, K-Day, and you'd wait for the song to come on and just p- press record and make your mixtapes and, mm-hmm. um, you yeah, know, and that was a big deal.
3: And Saturday nights, like I remember on like Power 106, they'd have like, DJs actually like spinning mm-hmm. and they'd do these like, they, I don't remember what they were, but they, I guess like uh like DJ clubs would press up like like mega mixes oh, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so they those uh, and those with like four records on top of each other, you know, like yep. like, you know, all mixed together and that kind of stuff. Like I remember taping, you know, as like a little kid like off off the radio for like mixes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and I was never able to track them down cuz I didn't even know like you, they didn't have them at the regular record stores. Right. Um it was until Someone had a license, and we could go to Melrose to, like, street sounds and, like, mm-hmm. beat stop and then all of a sudden that, like, opened a whole other yeah, of door of, like, hearing stuff.
4: Ki- hearing Qbert for the first time was a big deal for me, too. Mm. That was a big moment in hip-hop for me, too. Like, then I started getting into DJs mm-hmm. um, a lot, but, um yeah, I mean, Run DMC, definitely seeing q for the first time, you know, like, phew, shit was crazy. Do you ever DJ? I was the guy who held the records. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was always a wingman. I I was, I I was never good. I was around culture, the culture my whole life. Like I grew up here in K town. Mm -hmm. Then at 13, my parents hit, hit it big. We moved to orange County, the city of orange. Um, we lived in kind of, kind of a, a good pad, not like on the Hills, but at the bottom of the Hills, but right at the border was the city of orange and Santa Ana, which was, you know, a lot of stuff going down. And, uh, so I was hanging out with a b- bunch of crews, a bunch of graffiti artists, a bunch of breakdancers, dancers, a bunch of b-boys, bunch of DJs, and um, we had our own crew going. And, um, but, you know, so I was around it and I had every opportunity, but I just, you know, my destiny was to cook. I just mm-hmm. never could do it. So I was always like the homie, mm-hmm. you know, like skateboarding, b-boying, you know, I was the dude that always smoked weed, that just hung out, and I was always the homie. If there was a fight, I was the first one to jump in. It, 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 you know. You know, if you needed someone to help, you know, transport your records, you know, every, every, every crew, every neighborhood has that dude. Mm-hmm. I was that dude mm-hmm. for so many years, like, um, I, I was like the hype man without the microphone, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and so I, w- I would always set up my guy, my, my DJ, his name is Carlos. He went by Silos, and we'd always, uh, I'd always, you know, set it up with him and, um, and uh, we were part of a crew. Uh, Lod Legion of Doom, mm. <laughs> so he had funky flavors. I had Legion of Doom, <laughs> <laughs> them corny ass things. <laughs> we did one so performance did. though at uh, the World Nightclub at the bottom of the Beverly Center. Remember that club? Yeah. That? Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, but uh, Beverly yeah. I Center would House. I would always I uh, set up and we did a bunch of college
2: gigs and um, and I was just that <clears> dude. So um,
4: but I was around it for
2: sure. Well, I think we're probably glad you didn't yeah. become a DJ. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about, you you know, you guys have talked about this, this issue of discovery, right? Which I think for Mm -hmm. all of us, for, for hip hop was really important. Um, and so, you know, Kogi truck happened at the same time Mm -hmm. that Twitter was really starting to blow up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think as much of, um, you know, as much as anything, I think of Kogi as the social media truck. That, you know, the food was great. It was, I think you were doing, <clears throat> excuse me, really interesting things in the kitchen. But it was also like, you know, at this time when mm-hmm. people were discovering things all of a sudden for the first time in a new way. And you became really synonymous with that here. Um, yeah. H- how, I guess my question is, first of all, do you think that can happen today?
4: Um. Yeah, I mean, you got Snap you know which is big you mm-hmm. know um you know things definitely go viral still you know it's just it's so saturated you know no one's doing sometimes no one's doing anything original you know and you just it's just so saturated yeah. you know with naked pictures and the shit you know fucking yeah. selfies and all this shit all this fucking trash you know that um nothing is
2: coming through but something will mm-hmm. you know and uh um but so, uh so what did you guys know that everyone else didn't know about how to do that
4: i, I would say uh, it's innocence it's it's purity and innocence and um you know it's truly that kind of stand by me you know walking down the railroad track looking for a dead body thing you know it's just there was no uh agenda there was no there was no like we weren't looking for followers we weren't looking for attention mm-hmm. we, we were we just stumbled upon this thing and we were messing around with it and I think because of that, um, that was very powerful. Uh, Kogi is also a collective, mm-hmm. so it wasn't just my voice. It's, you know, it's like Wu Tang. You know, right. it's this collective of of people that all brought their individual talents together, and um, that synergy, you know, like a band. Um, that synergy, we were expressing something very beautiful at that time. You know, um, and uh, you know, and then some of us within that band. You know had a lot of experience you know I had a lot of experience cooking so I was putting this experience into a new expression Um, but it had depth to it people could feel that Um, you know we had we we had a great person behind the Twitter and our blogs expressing herself Um, you know we had photos we had just we had the full we had the full package and um, but uh, to me I think it's just the innocence it's the innocence of of that moment and i don't think you could have recreated it um you know i hope it happens again with something else you mm-hmm. know but uh you know kogi was a one of a kind in 2008 at that time you know the economy was crashing um worlds were colliding as far as like you know you got to remember like people didn't even have iPhones at that mm-hmm. time you know what i mean like well, uh you know it's you hard ba- to imagine it's hard to imagine right like you barely barely could get an iphone at that right, time it's like the iphone yeah. yeah, it was iPhone 1, <laughs> and you barely could afford that. When we started, we were sharing a BlackBerry, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth. And then, you know, our person on Twitter was, was Alice, who was doing it in Brooklyn in New York because she was at graduate school. So we would text her, and then she would do that out. So it was this it was this moment in time that was, you know, very raw and very pure, very much like hip-hop, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, and uh, and that purity created something. Um Yeah, I don't know, you know, and to say will it happen again? I hope it does again. Like I said, but uh, it'll happen somewhere else. It'll happen somewhere else and something. But Kogi mm -hmm. was the hip hop of food. It happened, you know. So you can't like take it away from that, and and you can't recreate it. It it is what it is now. Where it goes from here is up to wherever it goes. Kogi
3: is like the Run DMC of of like yeah, like because it's classic. Like there's still lines like on like. Yeah. On Sunday or Saturdays, I'll text you sometimes, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, oh, "Are you going to be on Abbott Kinney?" Yeah, because there's like 200 people in mm-hmm. line, like waiting. Yeah, I see them. You know, yeah. it's like it hasn't it hasn't died down. There's still like it's still this classic thing that you could really only get. Yeah,
4: it, it's like an amalgamation of Run DMC and a little bit of like woo and Beasties, and, and then like some of the new newer kids too. Because like it it has the roots and the respect and and the classic but it keeps evolving yeah. it, and it's still fresh and new. You know, it's not like, it's not like on a reunion tour at a, at a bingo casino. You know, it's like, it, it's right. still like, yeah, sure. it's still like packing houses, headlining Coachella, you know, and it's like, is, is it still but innocent? it's still like eight years later. Yeah, for sure. It is. Yeah. That's why we're small. Yeah. You know, um, we're only four trucks, uh, only Los Angeles and Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, still a family run company. Uh, yeah, still f- for sure. It's um,
2: so how do you? It, it's how still you, pure,
4: but but that but uh, innocence is not the right word. It's still very pure, mm-hmm. and that purity is it, it. It went from innocent to where we've actually now, uh, fought for that purity. We fought to protect it. Yeah. To so, evolve it. yeah, tell us about how, that fight. Um. Well, we've been uh. You know, Kogi, obviously phenomenon. Boom, written about everywhere. Lines out the door then that brings vultures, right? Then uh, venture capitalists, Mm -hmm. bankers, everyone looking for a piece. Um, uh, Not necessarily everything is bad, you know? I mean, um, but it's just every opportunity, every opportunist is looking for something. Um, But every situation we encountered was never right, you know? And Mm -hmm. we got handed the world, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it went from... You know, it probably happens in record deals too, all I mean, the time, it right? Sure, it does. Look at you know, Umami absolutely, burger, yeah. Umami burger, like, you know, you like s- that was a phenomenon. Look it. at Pinkberry, as we yeah. mentioned earlier. You yeah. know, um, all from the same era, right? Um, but everyone in your ear, right? Mm-hmm. You know, everyone in your ear. You should be this. You should be that. You know, everyone comparing you to something else. Every, everyone with money telling you that, you know, we can take you Vegas, New York, Chicago, this and that. Every and. Of course, we want to share this food with everyone, but we're the innocence comes from that we're almost like little children. we just want to have a good time mm-hmm. and 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 um and so in many times, we listened and we would be taken down this road, and then, when you get to kind of the final stage, you just realize luckily, we were strong enough and had the awareness enough to be like, "Whoa, something's wrong here you mm-hmm. know and um. But I know in a lot of things, you know, music, life, modeling, all these things, people don't are unable to see that at that last stage and then they get taken, yeah. you know. Um, but we were very lucky. And I, and I think that because of that, because we had those moments where we were aware enough, I, I've kind of taken it as like, um, I don't know, responsibility, I guess, is the right word, mm-hmm. to protect Kogi, mm-hmm. you know. I don't give a fuck anymore whether we... Don't become as big as people expect us to be because I know we mean something to
2: a lot of people
4: mm-hmm. you know so
2: mm-hmm. um, yeah but, it, but I think it is a fight and as, yeah. as the brand continues to grow you know you, you mentioned music so <clears throat> you know we see it a lot where this music comes out of a very pure place yeah. right of self-expression mm-hmm. and it's a reflection of your surroundings right and your yeah. you know what you're going through and then you know, then you have a hit record and you're on airplanes and, and backstage and you're, you know, in hotel suites. And Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden your reality has changed. It's only natural that your expression is going to change. And that's what messes a lot of people up, right? Is they get too far away from who they were. Mm -hmm. And, and so that has to be a fight. And especially with, um, you know, four trucks, how many rest, you know, really Kogi itself is really four
4: trucks an outpost at um, the airport, which yep. is going to end soon. It was just a kind of a limited oh, really? contract, but the airport. We have the alibi room, and we have Chego. That's really it. That's that's all of Kogi, you know. Right, and um,
2: and then but then you have projects. I have other projects. That, yeah, right?
4: I have creative projects. Uh, a frame, sunny spot, um, and then um, social justice projects uh, mm-hmm. like three worlds, and then local, and then we have the hotel in Koreatown, which yeah. is kind of like my biggest, you know. Uh, project for l a
2: yeah so do you compartmentalize those things obviously they're different brands, but to some extent they're all you yeah um yeah they're all they're all connected through me
4: um uh, to me i i, I don't compar- compartmentalize um they're more it's more like family mm-hmm. you, you know uh i'm like <laughs> <You> way. <know, right? laughs> um i it they're they're just all like my family. Yeah. And so um, I, I just do whatever I can to be there and to provide and um, to to be around it and to lead it if I need to lead it or to enjoy it and, and watch them shine when they need to. Um, yeah, it's just everything that I am, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I don't even know when one begins or the other ends, right. you know. So. Yeah.
2: So and within that, how do you find ways to tap back into that that feeling of the first night out here
4: um i think i've done a good job uh i i uh i live a very real life Mm. you know um you know i i've made choices like a lot of these restaurants and stuff i don't own i just creatively kind of um uh, consult on them and Mm -hmm. and i'm a part of them so i'm not as rich i guess as i should be or could have been you know but that come you know that would have came at a price too it comes at more responsibility, headaches, you know, um dealing with things and also again dealing, you know, spreading yourself too thin, dealing with investors, all that stuff. I've 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 been happy with just um you know, controlling my own life. And so uh I don't think to be honest my life has changed that much since 08. Mm. You know, um uh it's uh I'm still I mean, look what I'm doing in Watts with local. You know, I'm still looking for, like, you know, where is it that I need to feed people? You know, um, it's still the same drive and mentality that I had driving the first Kogi truck. Mm -hmm. Like, just looking for hungry people. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, seven years later, you know, I'm still doing the same thing. You know, I'm still driving in my car down to South Central looking at where I can feed people. Going across the county line, going across the country looking at what can I do to make food more affordable, make food more accessible and more relatable to, to people. You mm-hmm. know, so I feel like my drive is the same. Um but you know, like I, I do wonder like what if I did make a few I was like on Instagram last night I was looking at Wiz Khalifa's photographer's Instagram. I don't know how I got <laughs> it man, the fucking life. Yeah. What a fucking For life. Sure. You know? Jesus. Yeah. And so then I think about that and I'm like shit. Like, you know, if I just, you know, lean to the left a little bit, you know, is that, you know, and but then I'm like, nah, you know, I'm happy. Yeah. You know, I'm really, really happy. I have no boss. I have no one to answer to. Um, everything I do comes from a pure place of, you know, trying to take care of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that brings money or not, or fame or not, it doesn't matter to me, because, um, because I'm, I'm, I have freedom. You know what I mean? And so uh, I don't take that lightly.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, let's talk about local Uh a little bit. I know, um, so, uh, you know, one of the things that interests me about it, so it's a fast food concept, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
4: Uh, Fast food, but everything from scratch Mm -hmm. done by chefs. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. And the first restaurants in Watts? Watts,
4: 103rd between Anzac and Grape Street and the Jordan Downs housing projects right in the middle.
2: Okay. And uh, so, I mean, I think there's so much interesting about that from you know where you're starting to to what you're trying to do um, but one of the things that stands out is so your partner is Daniel Pedersen yeah right and uh who comes you know from the fine dining world mm-hmm. you know he's got one of the one of the sort of finest restaurants in San Francisco
4: they call him probably the most cerebral chef yeah in the world yeah he's he's the he, yeah he's He's the tip of the arrow mm-hmm. for sure
2: yeah you know? so that feels like a interesting partner for you
4: It does on the surface right it d- and that's part of I think the allure of it maybe in many ways mm-hmm. is we look like the odd couple mm-hmm. you know we look like uh, you know uh, again the cerebral guy and the and, and you know the, th- the the gangster the the, the hip hop dude you know we look like this thing, but we're actually not. That different, you know. Um, you know, Daniel. Um, he's, he, you know, he's a self-trained guy. Came up from the ground up. Uh, grew up. Uh, comes from blue-collar uh, Massachusetts, Boston area. You know. Um, uh, you know, really defiant. He he he's he's also a revolutionary himself in many ways. Whereas my revolutions are a little more kind of, I guess, uh, visible. You know, the Kogi truck hit it like throwing a rock through a window, but his are a little more subtle, but they're just as powerful. He changed what fine dining can be. So what you see in fine dining right now, where people are using handmade pottery, um, you can dress how you want, mm-hmm. uh, foraging, um, using local ingredients, uh, you know, defining a, a, a terroir and a, like a, a, a kind of a, a voice of California in a certain area um and an expression that's all daniel you know um uh he you know but all with technique and 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 like really refined uh you know applications that's all daniel everything that whole kind of like natural aesthetic look mm-hmm. that 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 warm feeling you get that you see in a lot of pages and a lot of chefs now you know it's really like the world is copying kind of three chefs is ferran renee and daniel Mm -hmm. you know and um and so he wrote a piece back in 2005 where he he kind of basically told the bay area that they were just kind of um you know like they weren't they weren't pushing themselves they were just like everyone was trying to be a a copycat to uh shape and and just and um you know he he really redefined fine dining he really challenged his whole city um and by putting qual on Broadway where it's all strip strip clubs and he really defined what it means to, to look at what food means in this context to find dining. And a lot of people don't really give him credit for that or you know, um like being hip hop roots with, with and especially what Adam was talking about. For me it's food, you know, like I'm not a sneakerhead or anything like that. But with food, if you want to talk to me about food, I'm like the sneakerhead of sneakerheads of food, you know, mm-hmm. and like um you know, like Daniel, he really changed the whole Bay Area and how chefs cook. And um, unfortunately, a lot of people don't remember that stuff. But mm-hmm. us that really know, we we know. You know? Yeah. So, and so because of that, he's a, really a revolutionary. But his expression was different. So if you peel away the layers, we're actually very similar. And that's why we connected so well. Because mm-hmm. you know? we don't really give a fuck, you know, <laughs> to be honest. We don't give a fuck about the 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 structure or the system or the the entities or anything in our way Mm -hmm. you know it's like if we have a vision we're gonna we're gonna burst through it and so our vision together with local now you can't stop us and i feel like together i always say that we fill in each other's blind spots because both of us individually are really really strong people um and we both kind of you know i don't know changed our cities respectively but together I, i feel like we're unstoppable Mm-hmm. You know,
2: so, well, <clears throat> it's interesting you talk about. Um, you know, I feel like LA is is a, always been the home of change, and you know, you know, in music, and we, t- you know, especially when we talk about hip hop, right? That you know, New York was kind of doing one thing, mm-hmm. and then LA brought a you know completely different perspective to that, and really shaped the music for the the whole country. Um, i would say so i think uh
4: maybe tribe and la <laughs> together right like tribe i think tribe changed hip-hop sure yeah but then mostly la i think changed and i think
3: the chronic changed hip-hop then, more absolutely chronic,
1: yeah. More yeah. Than yeah right straight comp- i mean and, straight yeah.
3: of, like the chronic was a new sound yeah, yeah. that yeah. no one had really like right heard where you
1: at king scrap bullet so i know you got you cat to stay on hard from geking your road dogs the hood you threw up with homies you grew up with
0: give me respect your ass so now it time for the doctor to check your ass yeah.
3: and then
4: the dj culture and then you know yep. um we
3: had the first radio station mm-hmm. first radio stations
4: well and it's like, you know, well, stri- you know a, i i heard some fellowship in, all that stuff yeah. you know absolutely far side
2: um and i heard something on you know related to food in the same way that you know LA always gets overlooked as in the in the list of great food cities mm-hmm. and yet you know LA's led the way with uh you know with sushi with california cuisine with um you know now what you've done mm-hmm. not only w- with food trucks but introducing korean food to america yeah. um and there's Pop probably ups. yeah yeah um you know and and i think in many ways it's like we're a place that's not afraid to take chances the way that some of the more traditional mm. food cities are kind of locked into their thing some of the way that you know new york if you remember back to that time was like there was a feeling that things were getting stale because everyone was just trying to sort of outdo each other and mm-hmm. doing the same thing and and i think la um hasn't been bound by that
4: i would agree you know and you know every city has their own i mean new york is definitely you know an epicenter of culture Mm -hmm. but what la has i think whether it's food or fashion or music is is that freedom is that freedom to explore and to not get caught in many ways you know or not get like and you don't have to like instantly like boast about it or be on the scene about it like you could kind of like develop your sound and your style or your food you know like for example with food trucks like like i could be on a railroad track in in santa fe springs or la and no one will ever know except the people that know you know and you right. know, we won't get caught and mm-hmm. that freedom allows you in la i think for me is like a, a microcosm of how you know we just can kind of find our way and we have the freedom to express that and mm-hmm. that, that that reflects in a lot of the things and that shapes the music and shapes the food right
2: um and it and you know it's it struck me as like this is where people are just they just have to like express whatever they're going through at that Mm -hmm. moment and kind of and and that doesn't matter what other people think Mm -hmm. about that
4: yeah and you know i've 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 always thought about that you know between new york and la it's just you know because as adam mentions we have cars Mm -hmm. so it's like a lot of our life is shaped by that privacy in many ways that freedom of like you know, we spend so many wonderful moments just together in a car. You know, eat, whether it's eating a burrito, putting your feet on the dashboard, listening to music, you know, smoking a J or whatever it is, and just sitting in a park. Sorry, sitting in a parking lot. Um, but in New York, you're you're walking, and so mm-hmm. it's like y- y- everything about you is you. So you got to kind of like. So how you know.
2: does that affect uh, your business, Adam? And and you think about you know, fashion comes out of New York typically, but streetwear, you know, is definitely. As much of a of a LA thing. Yeah, I mean, I
3: think the skate thing, mm-hmm. like, definitely. LA had a big part to do with that, and the merging of those worlds. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh, I guess if you look back, you know, at when I started noticing clothing, which was in hip hop, mm-hmm. and a lot of the clothes that rappers were wearing back then, was. Stuff they put together and it was mixing and matching and and like taking stuff from from you know you got your gold chain but then you had a fila jumpsuit and then you had some right. nikes on and it was you know you know levi's it, it was a mix of stuff that didn't always go together mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes they they were doing the same thing with music mm-hmm. you know how they were sampling you know this record and putting it together with this record and you might you if you just played them at the same time that you wouldn't think anything of it. Right. But it's it's how you put it together. And that's something that's like always excited me like from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's putting stuff together that doesn't belong which in a way is what always you know when I first tried Roy's food it was like oh Korean taco mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. Right. But when you try it you're like oh my god this totally works. Mm-hmm. Um, just that's how that's what excites me with pretty much anything creatively two worlds that don't belong together that work
2: yeah So, have you had mentors that have guided you along the way
4: you know i've I've bounced around so much in life that um i've never really had like each stage of my life i've had different mentors but uh i haven't had someone that's kind of traveled through but recently to be honest um John Favreau, has mm-hmm. been kind of a mentor to me. Like uh So you
2: you were yeah, involved with, with the, the movie, movie chef, chef, right?
4: Yeah. yeah, and that started very innocently. You know, it was just I was hired on as a as a consultant, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of, you know, unload some of the tricks of the trade and, and the ideas and stuff. But uh as soon as we met, we just instantly kind of uh connected and um and we became in many ways, inseparable. You know, f- uh, throughout the process of the movie, we became we kind of mind melded in many ways. And can he cook? Yes, yeah. of course. Um, nice. he, he whatever John Favreau puts his mind to, or decides he's he can DJ too. You know, Is that because right? he got to know AM during um, uh, Iron Man Two. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, he can draw. He he can create. You know, he, he you know he. He began to understand the whole, you know. I, I don't know what you call it. I guess the, the the sci-fi, you know, CGI world, starting with Zathura and then mm-hmm. going through. Um, oh wow. Uh, into Iron Man and whatever he decides to put his mind to, he can he can pick up faster than I've seen anyone in life pick up. Like I, it's literally when I when he started cooking to the point where he could cook. I it, it's almost like I could see him transition right before my eyes mm. it was amazing but yeah I would I would say he's a mentor because so what, what you, in many ways I'm a mentor to a lot of people but yeah. whenever I'm with John it's like I learned something from him
2: um what about <clears throat> sacrifices <clears throat> what do you guys what have you sacrificed to get to where you are uh, I've
4: sacrificed a lot of family time when I was a chef you know oh. um used to even at the beginning of covid I don't I still work long hours, but I used to work longer hours. Sure, like I used to work, I used to work s- fifteen hours a day, six and a half days a week. You know, so I definitely sacrificed a lot of time with uh, with my family, with with moments that I could have shared. Um, I think I've sacrificed, to be honest, um, opportunities. I guess to go from g6 to bentley to mm-hmm. to penthouse you know to preserve a culture mm-hmm. i guess you know and i'm not saying that a culture can't become you know uh, prosperous i'm just saying that i i have sacrificed opportunities because it just didn't feel right you know what i mean um that could have paid a lot that could have brought me to a different level um and I don't regret any of those, but I definitely sacrificed those, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I stand here now a stronger person because I did, because to me, Kogi, again, as we talked about, like hip-hop, I will never go away. You know, the, I, I feel like the, the, the sacrifices we made with Kogi and where we are now, Kogi will never go away. It will never, you mm-hmm. know, it will continue to live on and it will be something that um, will always stand for something, you know, and so... so I believe in
2: that. So you say you you mentor a lot of people along mm-hmm. the way. Um, how do you teach people that? Uh, I, I I'm a big believer in um,
4: you know actions. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in generosity and um, maybe not always being the uh, making the most popular decision or or, or as far as like um, you know the most lucrative decision, but uh, believing in again you know the generosity and love you know I guess what it is is like I don't I don't I'm not always the coolest person right like I, I don't like I don't make the funnest decisions all the time or I don't like sell our soul out or culture out and like let everyone like party and have a good time and all that stuff Um, I you know and like I, I always like try to take care of people and like I don't know, to be honest, spread love, but that's not always sexy, you know, like that's not always like it's not something like people like give you high fives for instantly. But um sure but by staying true to that, I guess my consistency is what what I guess brings people around back to me as far mm-hmm. as like being a mentor is you know, I allow them to go through whatever they need to go through, but um I stay consistent, um, with what I what I represent what i preach and i think ultimately um you know when they when they feel that and they see it they come back around and um they believe in that and they admire it so mm-hmm. and that's from cooks to chefs to you know other uh, you know creatives um people entrepreneurs you know um young cats coming up that are that are really hot you know and they're making all these kind of quick decisions to to blow up and then um and then they come back to me and they say, man, chef, like I fucked up, you know, like, like I should, I should have listened, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, and, and so I don't know, I, I I'm a little bit of a, a, of a turtle, you know, as far as my decisions, but like, and sometimes that frustrates, especially some of the younger cats around me, you know, but, but again, um, by staying a turtle, you know, I'm always there for them. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm.
2: And I know you guys are working on some projects together. Yeah, yeah, we
4: have a lot of hidden relationships <laughs> together. Um, okay. For Anything sure. we can talk um, about? No, no, no. Yeah, we he helped me on street food yeah. for CNN. Uh yeah. he was our kind of our inside consultant. Mm-hmm. Um we what else we do? Uh I, I just did a pop-up for uh, Munchery. It's like an on-demand uh uh food app. Uh-huh. Uh Adam was helped me with a lot of the creative stuff. Adam and Natasha. Natasha is another part of our team. Yeah. Um and uh what else like we done various
3: there? various things things here know? and there
4: yeah we a lot of the stuff we do may not manifest itself in physical form, but we're yeah. constantly kind of like you know throwing bouncing. ideas, bouncing ideas off each other um um you know sometimes it's hard you know we have a lot of ideas for like video stuff together, and uh but you know it's hard sometimes getting it to a studio you know sure. all the way. Um, that's such a tough process, man. You know, like f- it's, it's even tougher as a chef because for us, our world between A and Z is very short. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, like if I have an idea for something as a cook or a chef and I say, or if you came to me with the idea and if I like it, I don't have to ask anybody. Right. I just say, all right, let's do it. You know, Yeah. we'll, we'll cook it and we'll, we'll put it in my restaurant. Throw it on the grill. Let's do a pop up. Yeah, right. let's do a pop up. Throw it on the grill. We'll make it happen. Yeah. We'll, we'll Twitter and a thousand people will show up. It'll be great. And then from that, we'll make a book. It doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. we'll do it. But, like, I've never, you know, the whole pitching process of, like, it's just, like, it's, it boggles my mind, you know, of, like, you're so close to something but yet so far. You know? Well, because that's
2: a very yeah. obvious, you know, route, right, is yeah. to go from the kitchen to, to mm-hmm. on camera. Yeah. Right? And, you know, a lot of great chefs before you have done that. For me,
4: again... Uh, we talk about it like we have a little kind of hangout club, a bunch of artists together, mm-hmm. and we cry in our own milk of like, <laughs> of like we care about the art too much, you yeah. know, right like you know. And these are fucking some heads, you know, like art director Stussy, you, mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, like big heads, like real heads you would know, like like leading the culture of the, of this industry, and like mm-hmm. it, you know, we're just like fuck. Everyone we,
3: keeps it too real.
4: We keep it too fucking <laughs> real, you know, and and um, so like with the screen stuff, it's like. Yeah, I could have a show on any channel, but it's like I had to do like street food and win a, and do you know we win a Webby, but it's like I don't get any like help from it, you know. But are you I'm, still doing that? Show? But I'm proud of it. No, you know, like they haven't asked for a season two yet. So okay. if they're listening to this, you know, where you at?
2: <laughs> Yo, street food is dope. If you haven't seen
4: yeah. it,
3: yeah, you have to find it. It's like a
4: yeah but you have to find yeah, it you know right. again that's a, like truck yeah it's just like <laughs> it's hidden on the way you're just gonna be that dude like, i'm just gonna be that dude i guess you but know? what um, that does
2: right is it makes people want to once yeah. they find you they mm-hmm. want to hold on to you and follow yeah. you
3: and i th- i you know a lot of the stuff that we sort of cook up i feel like at some point some something will yeah. manifest in a way yeah. that 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 feels right you know i think a lot of it's timing and Timing sure. and luck and
4: talent. Oh, uh, I know what we've done. He's done a lot of our shirts for mm. Kogi. So a lot okay. of the shirts. That, and again, that goes back to like we keep it too fucking real. Like we never sold these shirts. Oh, really? You know, because in our mind, we're like, ah, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we only made a 100 of these? Yeah. And like yeah. only our staff wore them. Right. Yeah. But every single person who comes to the Kogi truck looks at the shirt and says like yeah, oh, they want to buy it. They want to yeah. buy it, but we won't sure. sell them. So that right. was like our mind. You should sell so. the LAX shirt.
3: After, I mean, you, guys so know, after <laughs>
4: you guys closed. After we closed. that one. But he, yeah, he yeah. designed yeah, the first shirt. We did the book shirt. cover. He did the oh, he did a book cover. Some of the book cover. Okay. Like we
3: yeah. sort of took it in.
4: Adam did the, uh, all the, the graphic work, the fonts and everything yeah. on nice. the book. And Jorge uh-huh. actually Jorge did those. Jorge did those, yeah. But, the, but, our, the, our, but Adam my, takes credit yeah, for my, it. Yeah, my. No. <laughs> I think
3: his name's in the book. <laughs> okay. um, but, yeah, my company did the.
2: It's out there. It's good. Nice. We have a couple Twitter questions. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. So, we've got Lala Scoop here. She wants to know, where are the best K-Town eats that white people don't know about? Am (laughs) I allowed to say that?
4: I think you all know about everything now, man. (laughs) Fucking K-Town's been put on blast for like (laughs) the last year and a half. We got even like, even non-Koreans are writing books on K-Town now. It's crazy. Is that Uh, right? right? Let me see. Um, I would say one spot you Probably I don't see a lot of non-Koreans. That is uh, Olympic Chungukjang on um, Olympic and Hoover, just before Hoover, just west of Hoover. It's a, a stinky s- fermented soybean stew spot, and it just says Olympic Restaurant on it. Um, I I don't see many other people than Koreans at that spot. Um, also, Chungju uh, Bibimbap. I don't see many other people except Koreans at that spot. And that's on Olympic in New Hampshire. Mm um so those are two spots
1: okay and current yes. favorite la spots not k-town
4: i'm a big fan of john and vinnie's stuff you know like anything they do they're my family um so anything from animals son of a gun john vinnie's Vinny's, Petit twa twa mac their new place twa families coming up familia is coming up um anything john and vinnie do i'm a fan of um so yeah
1: Okay, another one. Twitter fan, Olivius Dawn. What's the one ingredient you can't live without?
4: For me, um, uh, uh, rice. I would say, you know, rice. <laughs> me and tor- too. Rice and tortillas. You know, like that. You know, rice. I grew up with, and I can't live without it. And then tortillas changed my life. You know, so.
1: Awesome. Okay, and then the last question from coffee to grapher the feeling a truck food experience turned brick and motor is a complex one what creative principles guided the transition
4: hmm. um, so that that to understand that question is going from truck to brick and motor brick and mortar, what made the transition um, it was natural very natural um, never even thought about it you know what I mean like uh, I think it was more of the media and people like trying to put everything into a, a, a understandable box, you know, like, Oh, you're a food truck. You're, you know, you, what is it like going from this to this? Well, people don't realize I had a whole other life before mm-hmm. food trucks. You know, I was a chef. I ran, I ran restaurants and right. hotels for a living. Um, and then going into a food truck, I never looked at a food truck like differently from a kitchen standpoint, you know, from, from, like an ergonomic and logistics standpoint, yes, it was a smaller space. We were mobile, obviously that's different, but from the cleanliness to the organization to the process, all that, it was a kitchen. Um, and then going to our f- my first place, which was opening up in Alibi Room, that was mm-hmm. actually the first place. Uh, it was more of like we need more space, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, it wasn't even like premeditated. It was like The owner reached out to us and said, hey, listen, man, I got a bar, and I'm basically serving chicken tenders right now, and, like, you know, I got no attachments. It's like, listen, just come in. You can take over my kitchen, you Mm -hmm. know, no rent. You take all the food, you know, I'll take all the booze. Nice. Yeah, and that was it. That's cool. You know, and then so from there, it just became natural. And then Dave and myself, we built a relationship together where we opened A-Frame together, and then I helped him on Sunny Spot. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, so it was really easy for me. Nice. All
1: right, one last question. This mm-hmm. one's interesting. Um, Jimmy, that chef, wants to know, what is the most important lesson Mexican ingredients and cooks reveal to you? And uh, what impact has that, ha- has that had on your cooking?
4: <laughs> Mexica- I've been around Mexicans my whole life, man. You know, ever since I grew up from a kid. Um, all throughout the restaurants we owned, um, all throughout being a cook. I would say... um, I I, I think as far as food-wise, I would say it's... it's, I'm not going to even say anything food because there is no, like, one thing. I would say it's just, like the acceptance and then the music and, um, the jokes that, uh, the Mexican culture shared with me my whole life, um, is just, uh, they've always, like, accepted me as, as as part of their race for weird reason, you know, like, I don't know if it's just the energy, my spirit, you know, but, uh, you know, just, I don't know, it's the jokes, being able to be able to be a part of the jokes from day one, from the get, you know, and, um, and be able to like bag back and bag you know like just you know so for me that sharing the culture has been number one
2: for me nice yeah, all
3: nice. right my
2: last question mm-hmm. for both of you uh favorite dj and or best dj set you've ever seen
4: <laughs> uh for me i'm a huge dilated fan you know like I, I, you know i have to give it up to rock and and, and ev and so I have to say Babu, mm-hmm. you know, um, early Babu and the DMCs and all the stuff he does for Dilated and, you know, like I'm a huge, I'm a huge beat junkies guy. So Babs, Rhett Matic, Mello, everyone out there, D-Styles, you know.
3: Everyone. I'm from the group everyone. where friction needs to fly. Stack your bricks, the time is take your pick. Do it, don't, the track, out the my life is good, I got my peeps in the mix. So come to roots, my peeps come first. I got worldwide family all over the earth. And I worry about them all for whatever it's worth. From the birth to the host, the streets the guns burst. Words I disperse are here to free minds. Huh. Yeah. And if mine are needy, I need to feed mine. What
2: about live? Who's the best DJ you've ever seen live?
3: Uh, I always liked Cut Chemist. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did. I, the one thing, the... Uh, what was Who was it? It was, uh, I think Mulatu played it was part of that mochilla thing mm-hmm. and i think quantic was there and and cut chemist dj'd with one turntable and like a sampling pedal it's cool and it was it was and they had a camera like on his foot so you could see him like oh, hitting, yeah, yeah. hitting the loop and that was you know it w- it's always impressive like how like it seems like he he plans his stuff out and practices and and does it cuz i remember think it was like him versus mad lib they did those mm-hmm. like beat things mm-hmm. that like root down and i remember like his was like a routine and Madlib would just throw on the beat um mm-hmm. but i was i appreciate like his is his craft
4: nice i can't remember live but um I, mean, I agree with all the stuff he just said uh but uh i i do still remember going back to cubert um i do remember like the first time I think was it when he scratched the whole song? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that moment—the first time I saw it. Um, I know it was a long time ago, but to me, that was just like—I
2: was—I was blown away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, thanks for being here. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, we know where to find you online, but yeah. uh, plug, plug local. Oh, tell us where—where where should we look for you online? Uh,
4: so. We plan on opening local on Christmas Day, 2015. Um, Again, um, in Watts on 103rd. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a big fucking deal, man. Uh, the community uh, is really, really open to us. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that this is the beginning of a revolution where we start feeding people that this country has basically abandoned, you know, like feeding communities yeah. across this country from... We start in Watts, we go to Oakland, we go to South Chicago, we go to Detroit, we go to Ferguson, we go to Baltimore, D.C., start feeding all the families and the homies, you know, and, um, hmm. and that's welocal.com um, got a Kogi Truck, Kogi BBQ, you know, Twitter handle, at Kogi BBQ, uh, my, my handle is Riding Shotgun LA, all one word.
3: Um bunch of different places you can find me. I'm not central but uh, I have my band is Pollen. P-O-L-L-Y-N Google that we have Instagram, Facebook and a website Um, my company is called Champ and the website is a tribe called champ dot com. Champ was taken Um, and then on Tribe Called Champ is better anyway. On on Instagram it's uh, Adam208 Um, if you want to find me Cool. See pictures of my kids. Nice. And funny stuff I see when I travel. Um, But yeah, I'm easy to find.
2: There it is. Thanks, guys. Thank
3: you. Thank you.
0: Yeah,
2: that was Roy Choi and Adam Weissman. I hope you liked it. Those dudes are funny. Uh, If you didn't like it, I don't care. But if you did, tell everybody you've ever met. And come back next week with more Rebel Radio goodness. Bye.